Welcome to the 11th Hour, the Engage Work Faith podcast, which seeks to answer the question, what is the Christian perspective on work and how does it intersect with faith? We do this by sharing conversations with workers from South Australia on a whole range of topics that are central to the sphere of work. Hello, it's Darren from Engage Work Faith. Welcome to another episode of the 11th Hour with Engage Work Faith. Today I'm joined by Maggie, an Adelaide worker in the world of finance. Good morning, Maggie. How are you? Good morning, Darren. Nice to have you along. And we've also got for this episode, Susan, who actually works at Engage Work Faith as the Executive Women and New Mums Lead. Welcome, Susan. Thanks for joining. Good morning, Darren. Great to be here. And Susan, I understand fittingly that your role is a volunteer role at Engage Work Faith. Yes, I volunteer here um, one day a week and uh, sometimes a little bit more. And it's fitting today because at Engage Work Faith, we often mention the value and importance of unpaid work. And obviously, unpaid work takes many forms. Volunteering is one of those forms. Susan, you pointed out to me that last week was National Volunteers Week. I wasn't aware of that until you pointed it out. How about you, Maggie? There's so many awareness weeks now. I don't think they fit in the calendar. I was having a look online. Um, are you overwhelmed by how many there are and um, the number of days, or are there ones that stand out for you as meaningful? I must say, Darren, I am mostly unaware of all the awareness weeks happening. It feels like there's so many. So I'm how do you even register an awareness week? Is there some calendar I can download? Um, so yeah, no, typically I'm not very much with those, but I would say the ones that are most significant probably be the ones that are more personal. So, you know, if somebody in your family has had an illness or, you know, a cause close to your heart, you'd typically be aware of those, I reckon. Yes, they're hard to keep up with them all. Uh, Susan, you prompted me about these days. How do you keep up with them or are there certain ones you're aware of? Um, the only certain ones I'm aware of, I think, um, because I'm retired and have a little bit more time, I'm often listening to the radio in the car, and that's where I heard about Volunteers Week, and that made me look a bit further. So the ABC had some very interesting interviews uh, with uh, volunteers and people involved in volunteering. Yeah, and your comments were the prompt for me to dig deeper and think, maybe we need to have a conversation about volunteering, since we talk about unpaid work at Engage Work Faith. And so I did some digging and Volunteering Australia has quite a bit of info. They're the ones that are the awareness raises for volunteering. And there were a lot more Australians involved in volunteering than I thought. We're volunteering about uh, one in three of us. So nearly six million Australians across the board. That's just those that are volunteering in organisations each year. So there's a lot of people involved. So Susan, we, we love to hear people's stories on the podcast and we were talking about recording a conversation on this topic and I asked you whether you'd know anyone who would be a volunteer and want to share their stories. So I thought if you had a couple of people you can introduce to us, um, not necessarily by name but just by a case of where and how they volunteer, just introduce the topic for us. Can you share what you discovered? Um, well one person I spoke to said well, they volunteer because they follow their skills and their interests um, in life, and now they've got more time, that's where they'd like to volunteer. So it, it was really their passion. Um, they said to me they wouldn't volunteer in an area where they didn't have an interest or didn't have a skill. Mm. Um, so that was one thing. 
um, the other person uh, volunteers because their life's journey had thrown up some really messy stuff and they wanted to um, give back to the community and support young people um, so that they didn't actually have to um, go through what he went through and provide more support. So this particular person actually supports a lot of youth programs and also does some prison ministry um, because he wants to give back uh, to the young people. So they were two um, quite different, I think, um, areas of volunteering from the people that I spoke to. Okay, that's very interesting. And you're, not to put it too bluntly, Susan, but you're in the retired category for age, so... Were these people both in that stage of life as well? Uh, yes, they were. Um, but one of them, actually, while he had been working, he was still, what well, was has always been involved um, with youth. Um, he had been um, a worker in the community in a very high-level job, but always his spare time um, was used um, in helping out youth. So this particular person would take... Young, young kids surfing, would have them round to his house, take them out to movies, really work with them in a small group or one-to-one, even while he was still working. The other person, uh, the volunteering happened when they were retired. That's interesting because it sounds like, definitely for one there, that it was always a volunteering spirit they had, which is really good to hear. And I found in digging that we volunteer across the board, across the age range, quite evenly spread. Um, there's probably a little more representation which I was surprised about in the age 40 to 55 bracket. I thought it was going to be a different age than that. I thought perhaps the retiree age would um, come to the fore there. But what was interesting about the 55 to 70 age group was they volunteer at much higher commitment levels. So they tend to volunteer much higher in the 20 plus per hours a week. So that makes sense, but it's really good they're doing that. Part of the reason it's so important to our community is it builds bonds of resilience and it commits about $14 billion of effort to the economy every year, which Mm. is staggering to think about. Uh, For Maggie, you're not yet in the retired age bracket. (laughs) (laughs) I'd hope not. No, not yet. Not a soon plan I, I take. But what is your thoughts on your peer group? being more in the young worker category, what are the, the thoughts and observations you have on your peer group and volunteering? Um, I'd probably say there's about, there's maybe two factors that would be unique to my peer group. I think the first one would be, we typically are early in our life stages and it, to put it bluntly, it looks good. So if you volunteer your time in whatever capacity, that looks good in your resume for future career opportunities or Um, things like that. And then I think the second one, which is maybe a more recent occurrence, is the social impact movement, which has been started by, you know, my generation and then the one after of standing for something, having a cause you're passionate about, you know, making a difference in the world, whether that's via climate change or working in certain areas. I think those are the two main factors that is, I wouldn't say unique to my uh, generation or my peer group, but I think definitely plays a larger role. I would agree. There seems to be a resurgence of interest in community and social justice issues. I believe you've been involved over time in various sort of not-for-profit things of, a vari- of various types. 
how do you go about um, gauging your level of commitment while being a busy worker at your stage of life? I unfortunately suffer a bit from yes syndrome. I tend to say yes to many things and then later down the track be like, oh, okay, that was maybe a much, bit too much to commit to. But typically my gauge would be what type of volunteering it is. I have found myself more willing to put time towards causes that are close to my heart, like volunteering in church organisations and whatnot versus you know, corporate volunteering or something which is a bit further removed from my value system. So that's that's typically my gauge. I'm willing to give more to causes that is closer to my heart than just, oh, this is something my employer does. I'll give it a shot, but I probably will only go to this level. Yeah, and that seems to be a common thread with what Susan was drawing out with her two uh, friends Another thing we're thinking about is, is why do people volunteer? Why do we volunteer as Australians? The Volunteering Australia report says that people give multiple motivations for volunteering. And the one most often cited is that of being to help others, which is quite altruistic. And the others highly up there in the um, responses are it's for per- personal satisfaction and to do something worthwhile. I'm not sure whether we would say that at higher rates when being surveyed, (laughs) but it is interesting that there's a a search there for um, helping others and also for meaning and personal satisfaction. Did you find that came out in the responses that you got, Susan? Uh, Yes, yes, I did. Um, Another thing that came out, though, was maybe there was some role modelling in the family that they, they grew up in, that it was very much part of their family culture and their friendship group um, to to volunteer. I mean, I know of another person whose mother was very involved in Mills and Wills, and when she then had some time, that's exactly what she did, um, got involved in Mills and Wills. So I think sometimes uh, the cultural group in which you you grow up, so whether it's a sporting club and you end up, you know, being the water water carrier or (laughs) you end up um, being on the canteen at the school or, you know, you coach the under 10 netball team, sometimes that comes because that's what your family did. And that's borne out by the figures that are given to us because you're about 70% likely to volunteer if you see your family in particular volunteer. So it's a real cultural value that's caught. And the two main reasons people are likely to volunteer is because they either see someone doing it Mm. or they're directly asked to be involved. Mm. And that's Mm. in line with what you're saying with your um, research there as well. It's interesting. I heard a quote or heard a quote, saw a quote from Simon Sinek a few weeks ago that he posted saying, helping others makes you feel good. So go out there and feel good. And I was, it was, I saw the quote and I thought that's very true, but also... Um, go out there and feel good. It just brought me back to why people do volunteer. Yeah, that's that's interesting, Maggie, because I think some people um, will volunteer because it's self-serving, that there's um, there's actually perhaps a, a more selfish reason for why they volunteer. Um, I mean, it is, that does happen. They do feel good about themselves, but um, the motivation starts from themselves and that's sometimes an interesting perspective because I think once the volunteering gets a bit hard or a little bit time-consuming or they have a conflict with someone else on the volunteer committee, they're out of there because <laughs> they're there for the, uh, the reasons of their, themselves rather than serving others. And I was a bit surprised that right down the list of reasons was that reason of 
adding skills and mm. adding experience. Mm. So who knows exactly how to, to read those stats. Um, <laughs> we seem to be getting mixed reports there. Maggie, I just want to circle back to your comment on corporate volunteering. Mm. A lot of companies now have volunteering programs, but there does seem to be a relatively low uptake of employees that want to participate. Um, just wondered if you had any thoughts on why that might be and perhaps even why why does the, the corporate world, why do these organisations want to put these systems in place? What's, what's in it for them? Mm. Um, can you draw that out a bit? Um, one of the recent risks that the corporate world, not risks, but another aspect that influences a business success is what they call, you know, corporate social responsibility. So corporates are now expected to take a stance on, you know, social issues, climate change, those type of things where typically businesses could stay out of it without the business you know, suffering any negative side effects from that. So I think that's one of the reasons is corporates are now expected to contribute positively to their community. And I think that's a, a big reason for a lot of companies to get involved in, especially um, you know, businesses that they might be affiliated with and showing that they're making a change in the environment that they're working in. How that flows through to employees is maybe a bit more of a tricky question I think it comes back to your intrinsic motivation like Susan said uh, you can present employees with volunteering opportunities and those who are more inclined to volunteer would do so but there's no other way to incentivize unpaid work in that sense unless your employer says I know for example there's some of the bigger companies that says you have one day a year where you can take off and go volunteer at a organization of your choice which is maybe a bit more incentive for people to volunteer and with the volunteering in the corporate um, sphere there could be different motivations for different corporations as well because mm. it might tie into um, connecting with the younger generation social justice yep. mm -hmm. um, conscience or it might be about um, another idea I thought was perhaps employee well-being yep. so people feel good as you pointed out when mm. they volunteer and so if your employees feel healthier and better mentally, then that's also a benefit to an organisation. So there's probably a lot of mixed uh, motives in amongst the uh, organisations that are promoting volunteering as well. What is interesting is that when people report their participation in volunteering with regards to satisfaction, the two primary responses are they are either satisfied or very satisfied. That's about 90-something percent of responders. Um, Susan, I just thought, why do you think that might be the case that everyone seems so satisfied with their volunteering? Well, I think firstly, um, I think what we've mentioned before, it probably makes them feel good. So, so they've actually got um, some feel-good stuff that's running around that makes them say, I want to do that again. <laughs> but I think when they actually think about it a bit more, they might think outside of themselves and look at the benefits of um, their volunteering to the people that they're volunteering or the organisation. And I think um, I think some of the things I've realised is that women probably um, enjoy volunteering uh, in a social, a more social setting, and perhaps men. I mean, a bit bit stereotypical here, but anyway, men probably in a, more of an organisational one. But either way. If you can see the benefits to your volunteering, it's actually going to make you feel good. So I think that's probably where it comes from. Altruistically, um, you'd like them just to see the benefits for other people rather than for themselves. But, you know, as we know, it's more blessed to give than to receive, as it says in Acts. So I think there's, um, there's a sort of 
re reward that comes, but it shouldn't be an expected reward. <laughs> um, I think helping out and volunteering, um, sometimes it costs, sometimes it's time, sometimes it's energy, and sometimes it might be money. Um, and that's, that's, that's what has to happen. But in the end, there will be um, a feel good, there will be some satisfaction, but it might come at a cost. I think everybody strives for um, feeling like they have a purpose or make an impact in this world. Mm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I want to just talk a little bit and I'll let you guys do the talking here because it could be dangerous for me. But you were talking <laughs> about men and women volunteering. Mm. And in Australia, the rates of volunteering between men and women are quite similar. Mm. Um, but interestingly, globally, there's a trend where women are more likely to volunteer and that's from the UN report from 2018. And I think some of that is tied to volunteering being a low status activity. And so perhaps that is something women are more inclined to do than men. And I think you're right in that men tend to volunteer um, based on the Australian stats. They tend to volunteer in organisations and specifically more to do with sports and those kinds of um, activities. Mm -hmm. So the, the stereotypes do actually hold somewhat in the stats. But what was interesting to me as well was women's participation rates are somewhat declining in Australian volunteering. But an interesting parallel stat was that at the same time, women report much higher rates than men of feeling hurried and rushed in their lives. So this is where I'd like to get your feedback on this. And what was fascinating to me that the age bracket that the biggest discrepancy is, is actually the 15 to 25 age bracket. And that surprised me. I thought it would be perhaps the child raising years, but it's actually much higher um, discrepancy between those male and females that are in the 15 to 25 category. So Maggie, I wondered if your um, insights might help me understand what's going on here. Right. Well, I think firstly, looking at the UN report of women tending to volunteer more, if that's worldwide, maybe that is correlated to the statistic of in more developing countries, women being the um, homemakers more regularly. So they would mm. possibly be expected to volunteer more of their time because they don't work full time or, you know, they're not the breadwinner. Where in Western societies, I suspect it's more of an equal spread, especially in the 15 to 25 year old uh, category where women are expected to participate in the workforce unless it's a conscious decision to not do so. Mm. Um, so I think that's the only trend that I can possibly highlight is that more women my age are now career focused more so than maybe previous generations and need to do more things, need to pad out their uh, skill set a bit more, could possibly contribute to the feeling busy statistic. Yes, um it's interesting, isn't it, Maggie? The um, fifteen to twenty-five. I'm I'm thinking also that um, thinking of family and and having children is now much more delayed. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably contributed to to a higher. Uh, oh, sorry, to the statistics that mean lower um, volunteering. But I also that was right. Lower. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also think it's um, perhaps they're establishing, as you said, Maggie, their careers which they haven't had an opportunity traditionally to do so they're working very hard at it so yeah I think perhaps culturally there's there's a, a big shift um, in in families in developing their families much later okay I'm not going to offer any opinion there I'm going <laughs> to leave that as it stands 
you did say you both brought up the idea of meaning and fulfillment in volunteering as mm. being a big factor. This might be a good segue into the third question that you asked your, um, your friend Susan. The question was, how does faith shape or inform your volunteering? And as a segue, I thought I might introduce something I discovered in my recent theology topic. I came across this school of thought in philosophy, and it's called personalism. And let me read for you just a brief intro to the subject, just to get you up to speed. It comes from Stanford's philosophy webpage. Personalism posits ultimate reality and value in personhood, human as well as divine. It emphasises the significance, uniqueness and inviability of the person, as well as the person's essential relational or social dimension. There were definitely um, theistic influence and implications from this school of thought, but one section I really wanted to dwell on in regards to the meaning found in volunteering was this next section, which I'll read for you. And I think it might lead us into talking about faith and volunteering. Personalists assert that the person belongs to himself in a way that no other thing or animal can. Self-possession does not imply isolation. On the contrary, both self-possession and self-governance imply a special disposition to make a gift of oneself. Only if one possesses oneself can one give oneself and do this in a disinterested way. And only if one governs oneself can one make a disinterested gift, gift of oneself. This vocation to self-giving is so essential to the constitution of the person that it is precisely when one becomes a gift for others that one most becomes fully oneself. I thought that was very interesting. The idea that personhood is actually tied to knowing who you are, mm. but also to giving yourself away. And I had to say with my theology hat on, or the Sunday school answer even, Jesus came to mind in mm. that he came mm. to be uh, fully human and fully divine. But in his humanity, he demonstrated that to be human is to, to give oneself away. And that ties into the mm. reference you made earlier, Susan. Mm. Um, do you think that statement about being fully confident as a person and fully expressing yourself as a person in um, the satisfaction we gain from volunteering. Did that tie into the, the two respondents that you had a few chats with? Well, firstly, Darren, I'm glad you're doing the study <laughs> <laughs> and the philosophy and the theology. <laughs> that was very impressive. Um, yes, I think that is the case. Um, that you need to be a whole person and understand yourself to be able to give of yourself. However, I think there might be some situations where um, you might be encouraged to volunteer to help you understand yourself. And I'm thinking of someone um, that I actually saw a couple of days ago who um, gets support from the government. And part of that um, support, there needs to be some volunteering work and they do some volunteering work at a place that I'm aware of. And I thought, actually, this is really good for this person because um, I don't think they would have actually volunteered unless there was some kind of structure that had said to her, like, this is what you should do. And in fact, it's helped her well-being. So I think there's that example. But I think generally those who do it um, um, on their own volition do need to be well... Yeah, their, their humanity needs to be well understood. 
so that they mm. can then give to others. Yeah. And yes, Jesus was the ultimate example. And I think that's that's where sometimes even when you don't, you know, it's the day you're doing your volunteering and you've got to serve in the in the op shop or 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 serve in the the football field and it's pouring with rain, it's freezing cold. <laughs> you don't want to go, but you then have a duty to fulfil your volunteer commitment, and that's because you are a full person. You understand that. Um, let's get out of myself and my misery and serve others, and that's where I think your your understanding of who you are pushes you in times when you think this is a bit hard. But um, yeah, because you are who you are, a whole person, and you've got the example of Jesus. Maggie, I found it interesting you brought up the Simon Sinek quote, if I've said that right. You know, it's about feeling good when you volunteer. Do you think that ties into this idea that giving oneself away might be intrinsic to who we are, potentially, or we might be reflecting what Jesus is like in doing that? What are your thoughts on how faith connects with volunteering? I would say faith, it, it basically demonstrates to us how we should be volunteering, why we should be volunteering. It's the ultimate example of selfless giving that leads and guides us in our decisions to volunteer, um, whether it's which causes you, you spend your limited time on or how you volunteer or just looking at your heart posture and your motivation of when it is pouring down outside, um, why are you doing this? And, and it just gives you a different perspective and a different approach to volunteering. Um, it also takes the focus away from self. Um, there's a selfless sort of volunteering or serving, which comes by looking at the example that Jesus did of his servant leadership. And I think that's something that is integral to any Christian's volunteering or non-paid work journey. I think um, just reminds me of um, the fact that we live in a very materialistic world and uh, for many people they wouldn't volunteer because it's not going to get them anywhere. It won't make them any money and it won't advance them in any way. However, you did mention earlier that sometimes people volunteer so it looks good <laughs> on their resume or it's um, it's um, a, developing a skill that they then can use in their workplace. But I think we live in a very materialistic world and I think volunteering is not materialistic. So I think that is another Jesus attribute. I think we have a really good culture in Australia of volunteering. Um, and some of that might go back to our, our Christian heritage and roots, um, and we might not always connect it to that. What was interesting to me is that spontaneous volunteering is a big thing in Australia as well. And around the Victoria um, 2009 Black Saturday bushfires, there were more than 22,000 people that um, signalled they would be willing to help. Um, so I think there's a really good thing happening in Australia. I think it's reflected in what we see across the board with the, the numbers and the stats and what we see amongst our friends and family. I wanted to ask you one last question as we wrap up. Had some good conversation here. But one last question for you. So there's this idea that volunteering is actually more efficient if there is some outside um, intervention from external stakeholders, and that might be from council, local government, from national government. But at the same time, these collaborations have got to be designed carefully so they don't undermine the local community group um, because if you get too much support from external agencies that can weaken the local um, volunteer group and the ownership gets shifted and no one takes part anymore. Have you ever come across situations where, well firstly whether they've been empowered by some outside help 
um, whether it be funding or awareness. And then secondly, has there been times when that's become too heavy-handed in your experience and it's sort of taken away the, the power of what you're doing in the local sphere there? Mm, good question. Um, I can think of, I mean, one of my other things I'm doing is um, I'm part of a Rotary Club which has a, a community um, focus on serving. And one of the things that uh, we do is have a close connection with the local council. Uh, so there's um, a development of a drop-in centre that's happening now and we're collaborating with the council to be able to do that because they're able to find um, a spot for us to be able to use, but we're the people who are going to actually be providing the support, the tea and coffee, the, the chats, um, etc. So I'm... That's, that's in its early stages, but the collaboration is, is important because um, we wouldn't have the resources to be able to f- pay for and find a venue for this to happen. But we've, we've got the people power. I guess when you think of some of the volunteer organisations that have started up, I can't keep, think of an example, but I can see that they could get too top-heavy with organisation and um, there could be some corporate leadership that might not well understand the volunteers so therefore um, it can fall apart because they haven't got a good synergy between the volunteers and the people who organise it. And I know there's often complaints about how much money is spent um, in administration in certain charities too so I can't I can't sort of answer directly but I've got those examples that say yes there probably will be issues um, that I'm not so well on top of. Uh, it's quite interesting. My answer would be similar to yours. I'd say there's there's two factors that influences how this scenario would turn out, and it is resources and vision or purpose. Um, me working in finance, my volunteering role has typically be in treasury or some sort of finance role because that is a um, skill that not many people likes to take on in volunteering committees and things. So I've I've had a bit of an overview of smaller organizations and I think one of the biggest issues for for volunteering organizations to be sustainable or long term mm. is to have these constant sources of income like grants or fundraising events but the problem is if that becomes the main focus whoever started the 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 volunteering group or the committee they had a certain purpose or a certain group of people they wanted to um, impact mm. And if it becomes, you're correct, if it becomes more corporate or more image-focused or all about the money and the mm-hmm. charity events you put together, deep down there in the grassroots where it was started, you might lose vision of why you did this. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important you need to have external backers if you want to have a sustainable charity or a sustainable organisation that's going to continue making a difference. Mm-hmm. But it's important to constantly go back to the reason of why this is why this was started and what is your vision for this Mm. so I think there is definitely a bit of a tightrope to walk but both are very important to the process thanks for weighing in there it's been a really beneficial conversation for me and I hope helpful for those listening in as we've this morning thought about where people volunteer and why they volunteer and even the bigger thoughts behind volunteering how does faith Um, connect with our volunteering so thank you so much Maggie for taking the time and joining this morning it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here 
Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. And thank you, Susan, for taking the time to discuss volunteering this morning. Pleasure, Darren. I'll now go and have my cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it has been an early recording. Thank you, and thank you all for listening. You've been exploring how faith and work overlap on the 11th Hour podcast. Check out our website, engageworkfaith.org.au, to find resources on the topics we cover and keep up to date with our latest events. Thanks for joining us on this episode.